We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders. Hey, it's the DFS pregame show. I'm Jordan Cooper. AKA Blender Ed, AKA Blender HD. Call, call me, call me whatever you want, as long as I'm top of you on the leaderboards in your DFS contests. Because you know, I I play probably more than you guys do, so you know, I'm, I'm looking out for number one first. But I'm here uh, with the pregame show as we normally do: review the past day's slate, as well as uh, discuss uh, the slate tonight. Which uh, uh, let, let, let me uh, let, let me just break it to you. Uh, I'm going to be stacking a game tonight, okay? I'm just, uh, I, I don't want to call it a lock. I mean, normally I don't like stacking NBA games because it's very rare that, like, both sides of a game, multiple players hit their ceilings. But tonight I'm giving you the lock of all locks. The game to stack tonight is uh, is Dallas and, uh, and, and, and the Clippers. The Mavs-Clippers game, if you're not stacking the game tonight, you're going to lose, okay? Yes, and if, you, if you're if you in the free chat, that's where we are, where we're still off of YouTube. So go to free chat in our uh, Roto-Grinders Discord and feel free to ask any strategy questions, anything, chat it up, all you want. Uh, what what you think about my lock of all locks, right? Typically, I don't stack tonight. I'm, I'm, sta- I'm, fully, I'm fully stacking that game. So, so just, you rarely get me predicting an outcome, but I'm going to tell you that whoever wins tonight's slate has all the players from that game, okay? It's very rare that I predict an outcome, but but it's it's going to happen. And I hope people get the joke that there's only one game tonight. So obviously you're stacking that game. It's a showdown slate. So you kind of have to. If you're playing a guy from another game, you have no chance of winning. I don't even think you could technically do it. But hey, so we're here. Pre-game show yesterday was MLK Day. I have a dream that the rake would get lower, and it didn't. So uh guess we got to wait another year. Uh, so I, I brought up uh, yesterday's, I mean, we had multiple slates. Yeah? We had the 2 p.m., the FanDuel 5 p.m., the 7.30, whatever. I know we talked about we talked about the 2 p.m. slate on yesterday's show, and then Kyrie sit, sat, and then everything happened, and Favors sat. So yeah, it, it, did it matter? That did, did it matter what we talked about? That's why for these shows early in the day, it's more about the process. It's more about the strategy, and less so about the picks and the plays and the lock and anything like that because you never know what's going to happen uh so looking at last night uh in the five game slate i think i think it was very interesting five game slate for gpp because uh we say this every i I say this so so often late swap late swap what you're going to do what you're going to do when you need to do some late swap uh because we found out uh going into heading into almost heading into the nine o'clock games like the first two games were locked, and then the two games at nine Eastern that uh, Draymond Green and uh, Robinson were going to be out. Green was predicted to be playing. I mean, he was he was likely to play, and then it came out at like eight thirty five ish, 
Eastern that he's actually questionable and unlikely to play and that Glenn Robinson is ruled out. And he was on the fence as it was. So that only gave the Warriors eight bodies in the rotation because Bowman was down in the G League and, uh, and that, that's all you got left. The Trailblazers were already playing with like eight bodies, right? Nine maybe or something, Jalen Horde or something, someone like that. Because that trade, the trade that they did is not like uh, Ariza and Swanigan and whoever, whoever, whoever he, they got, like they're not ready to play. So they're, we're still acting like the similar Blazers slate from before that, you know, they, they barely have anyone there. McCollum's out, that type of thing. So it was very important yesterday. And we saw across contests that those that left themselves optionality for that game did well in GPP. Obviously, it went to overtime, and it's a short rotation. And a lot of it, I mean, Lillard and Whiteside were super chalk. They both, I mean, obviously, Lillard put up 92 fantasy points. If you didn't have them, you lost at his own. I mean, he was average across these contests that I'm showing on the screen was like 71% over. Said like, these both, both these guys are 70% over. Uh, but we also had guys like Simons and Trent who really didn't get there. I mean, uh, Simons got enough. Trent, I mean, for a $3,200 player, got enough. But they weren't GPP winners in and of themselves. It was more of the guys like Burks and Pascal, maybe a little Cauley Stein, the guys that benefited from Draymond and Glenn Robinson being out. But the pro- the problem came in is that if you, if you were trying to be a little bit more contrarian, because we saw that like the uh, some of the Boston guys were chalky, Tatum, Brown, Hayward, because they were kind of underpriced. Uh, we also saw LaMarcus Aldridge gain a lot of ownership. D'Angelo Russell was getting a lot of ownership as it was, so that didn't matter as much. Jeremy Grant, I mean, he had a good game for 4,400. Uh, but we also saw, like, Wiggins got some ownership, Aiton, Sabonis, Jokic. I mean, some, en- enough people got, like, 20%-ish ownership that, like, if they were locked in your lineup, it left you with little optionality to take advantage of two teams playing. I mean, we already knew the Blazers were shorthanded. So that's why, you know, the Blazers were chalk as it was. But the Warriors guys, really, the only, before that news, the only guys that were really, the only, I mean, pretty much it was D'Angelo Russell. And I think maybe Draymond Green a little. But Russell was going to get owned and like no one else. If, if Dre, Dre was playing and Glenn Robinson were playing. So the problem is, is that like, if you already have guys locked in, like, how do you take advantage of that? Right. If you already have, you know, five out of your your eight slots done, you know, locked at least at nine o'clock. Like, how, how do you take advantage of that? But we see a lot of the good players left themselves optionality or left themselves enough lineups. If they're playing a whole bunch of lineups, enough of them with enough optionality in them. So we take a look at cross contests. Like I, I, I highlight this late swap stuff all the time because. I, I'm 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 guessing a lot of the viewers here at Roto Grinders aren't necessarily playing in the 777, right? They're, you're not necessarily playing 150 lineups in the $15 fadeaway. Maybe you're playing the mini max. Maybe you're playing the mini max. Maybe you're playing a single entry, three dollar. Maybe you're playing twelve dollars. Maybe you're you're playing a little bit smaller contests, a little small lower stakes. But I highlight this all the time that the lower the stakes you go, the less observant your opponents are. Take advantage of that. If you're signed up at Roto-Grinders, Roto-Grinders Premium. I mean, I'm showing off results DB here, which is free. But we're going to get into some lineup HQ for the, the showdown slate. I'll show you some some cool stuff you could do with that. Uh, because what else do we have to talk about today other than the one-game showdown slate? But we see time and time again that the high-stakes players who are typically sharper or more observant and take advantage of the news. The lower-stakes players don't as much. Use that to your advantage as much as possible. So we take a look here. Even Lillard and Whiteside, there was there was a difference in between the mini max. Like Lillard was eighty one percent in the seven seventy seven, but sixty eight percent in the mini max. Same for Whiteside. Look at Russell. The difference in ownership between contests with Russell, of course, Simons and Trent. Of course, they didn't necessarily make value, but there was a difference there. But let's now take a look at at the the Warriors guys, Pascal, 17% in the 777, 9% in the Minimax. Not as many people took advantage of that. Burks, 14%, the 777, 10%. 
in the Minimax. I mean, that's like a, that's a 33% difference, right? Not in like raw number, but like from 10 to 15 or so, that's, that's a big enough difference. We also take a look, we go down here, we're trying to find like Willie Cauley-Stein, 10% versus 8%. Okay, but we knew he was starting. Jordan Poole, 9% in the 7.7, almost 10% in the 7.77, 3% in the Minimax. In fact, once once uh, Draymond Green and Robinson were ruled out, my, my late swap in entries manager in uh, lineup HQ, I was looking to jam essentially as much of two players as possible into all of my, into as many lineups as possible. And that was Jordan Poole and Eric Pascal. Okay. D'Angelo Russell yesterday, I already had, like I played, uh, I played 60 lineups yesterday. Yeah. I already had like 70% Russell as it was like, like he was already there. So I like, I didn't have to jam anything. I wanted to get Burks. I wanted to get a little Lee. I wanted to get a bunch of Burks, but the, the, the thing with the cheap guys is that I didn't want to play Gary Trent. Right, Gary Trent was thirty two hundred dollars. Jordan Poole was thirty four hundred. Like Gary Trent is going to sit in the corner and just you know hope to shoot some threes. So, like Simons was thirty nine hundred. I was looking to get these guys, the guys that were already chalk, out of my lineups, not fully out of my lineups, but out of a lot of them because I knew that these percentages were going to be high as it was, and if. Guys like Pascal and Poole and WCS and Marquise Chris even or something like that. Like they, because you're not, you would have never played Pascal knowing Green was in. You would have not really played Poole at all. Uh, just oh, off the bench, maybe he gets 20, 20 minutes, right? With GR3 in, maybe he gets 20 minutes, maybe he gets hot. But with, with now with play, playing for eight bodies, Poole's going to get like eight, he's gonna get 30 minutes. Yes, I know he's kind of shooting reliant, but I mean, Poole playing 30 minutes like will outscore Simons and Trent enough times, or Hazonia, enough times that the difference between 50%, 47%, and like 10%, 8% meant I'm just I'm jamming him. I'm trying to get him in as many lineups as possible where I was playing Trent, or like I had some lineups with, uh, with like Royce O'Neal in them, right? Like just filler lineups. I mean, obviously a small forward eligible, but I was I, I played a lot of the late game as it was, so I, I had tons of swaps that I was able to do. So I was basically trying to get Royce O'Neal out of my lineup, trying to get uh, uh, Forbes. I had I had a, a bunch of Bryn Forbes. I had like twenty percent Bryn Forbes. So I'm like I need to. I I know Forbes had a good game, right? I ended up still with plenty of Forbes, but I'm looking to get those cheap guys out to the better cheap guys that people are not taking advantage of because the news came out after lock. Okay. So, so that's, that's, that's really what you're looking to do, especially at the lower stakes at the higher stakes, people pay attention, right? We see that in the ownership. People do pay attention, but also giving yourself optionality. You couldn't have predicted it, but, it, but I was already targeting the late game as it was, because it was the type of thing where one side is chalk and the other side isn't. Like, other than D'Lo, like, no one was really playing, like, Lee and Burks and those, not not until the news, at least. So I was already playing these guys to begin with. So it's just a matter of me getting more of them, right, in the lineups that I don't have. Like, I ended up playing 40% Nikola Jokic yesterday as as a pivot off of Whiteside. Like, I, I was under the field on Lillard. I was under the field on Whiteside. I still have plenty of them, right, but still under under on 70%. Like, I had, like, 40% white side and 35% load. So it's not like I need to get it. You know, it's not like I had none of them, but the whole point was that I knew white side was going to be so chalk in that center spot that why not play, play like a Jokic at significantly lower ownership or some bonus at significantly lower ownership and maybe pair Jokic and Wiggins together. Wiggins didn't do much, right? Jokic had a snowflake 41 points. But if you notice, here's that, like I talked about yesterday, if you go back to the shows, I have recurring topics here, okay? I set up, and I'm talking about my own strategies and in general to, you know, the strategies that you can use. In all of my Wiggins lineups, Jokic was in, okay? I figured if Wiggins has a good game, 
Jokic has a good game. Like if Wigan, I mean, if Wigan goes off, yo, the, the game is close. It's towards the end. I might as well. If Wiggins has a forty-five point game, I I probably want to have leverage and have Jokic instead of Whiteside in that line. Now, once I play Jokic and Wiggins together, then I don't care who's in the rest. Then I could just play all the chalk. Who cares? I'm not playing Whiteside, right? I can play Lillard. I can play. I can play any of these chalky guys in there. But the byproduct of that is when I'm playing sixty lineups, I had lineups that were very close to the top. Didn't get all the way there. Didn't get all the way there. But once Wiggins was a snowflake and Jokic was a snowflake, I don't mind it as much. Why? All my Wiggins snowflakes are with Jokic snowflakes. Okay, so if I had 40% Jokic, that 20, I think I had like 20% Wiggins, 20, 24% Wiggins. All of the 24% Wiggins snowflake is with the Jokic snowflake. So like, I'd rather have lineups that if I have a snowflake, everyone has a snowflake. I'd rather all my, ba- all my bad players, I want in one lineup. I want in the same lineups. I, it, it'll come in last place. I don't care. It just doesn't, like, it doesn't infect. Is that a better way of putting it? It doesn't affect my good lineups. Okay? So that's a lot of the times why I will play, like, one ones and two ones, And, like, if this game isn't good... Like, it just the lineup is ruined, and, like, it, it's done. It didn't maximize on that outcome. But if I didn't make these groups, and I ended up with, let's say I had 40% Jokic and 25% Wiggins, it's quite possible, yes, there will be some overlap. But it's quite possible that instead of ruining 40% of my lineups only at the maximum, because Wiggins could only appear in Jokic lineups, it could infect, it could be 55% of my lineups because I have Jokic in some, I have Wiggins in some. I've yet, now I, my snowflakes are distributed all around. So that's a byproduct of using groups in lineup HQ and setting, setting correlations in some extent. I know in NBA it's weaker, but you're kind of trying to have two players on two sides of the game, hit their ceilings. If, you, if you're going to play them, if you're playing a pool all together, right? So like I figure if I'm going to play Jokic and I'm going to play Wiggins, why not play them together? Jeremy Grant, I didn't mind being, he was only 4,400. So like, what's his seal? Like uh, 30 points. I mean, I'm fine with that. He, he could hit that. It doesn't matter what the state of the game is. So yeah, so Jeremy Grant was just, uh, he could be in anywhere. So my Jeremy Grant, I had like 57% Jeremy Grant yesterday. And he had a great game. But yes, he's in some lineups with Wiggins. He's in some lineups with Jokic, but he's not confined to that. So my Grant lineups were in also very good lineups. So this is the reason why you, you correlate. So we, if we take a look at results DB, we take a look. I, I pulled up some users here. I, so I, the winner was a hub bro. Okay. Junk yardage on Twitter. Who I talk to a lot. Uh, so he, 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 he smashed with his player pool. He completely smashed with his player pool. I also brought a petty theft, dark man, Dexter, Dexter, and Brandon Adams. Okay. Just to show the difference in play styles, what, what these players did. And uh, how they found leverage, how they found correlation, what they did with late swap, things like that. So we just take a look at we're gonna we're gonna sort by this is in the the the, the fade the fifteen dollar fadeaway. So I'm gonna sort by the field, just the the the, the ownership of just the players like this. Okay. So obviously we see across the board like Lillard and Whiteside were essentially you know just getting over the field, over the field. Dark Manalook was about even with the field. Right, Dexter Dexter was a little under on white side, but you can see why. So let's say Dexter Dexter was a little under the under the field on white side. That's because if you go down, you could see a lot more Aldridge, a lot more. He had some Sabonis. Uh, he had thirty one percent Jokic. There you go. So he tried. He did very similar to what I did. Went under on white side to get some center leverage with Jokic. Okay, so that's the reason for that. But for the most part, people, I mean, it's not like this was a lock button on Lillard. This was a lock button on Lillard. These are near lock buttons on Lillard. Okay, now let's see how they handled D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell, certain people played him more or less than others. But for the most part, I mean, commonly owned. But let's say the difference. Look at Ahabro. He just went, nope, I'm not, I'm not going to buy into this Simon's chalk much i'm not going to buy into this trent chalk much petty theft said screw this trent chalk completely right but he still took a lot of simons dark manaluk 
went under on Simons. But I mean, Dark Mantle kind of has a more like even approach. Some people like lock buttoning a couple of players. Some people have spread out exposures a little bit more. But if we take a look at the Gary Trent, like under, under a lot of the, a lot of the good players went under on Trent. And I don't know if that was from the beginning or based on the news deck, you know, the late swaps took him out of lineups. But then we take a look at, let's say we go through like Petty. He played a lot of Carmelo Anthony. So essentially no Trent and more Anthony. He had a lot of Jeremy Grant also. I mean, he had, he had some good lineups. So you take a look at Petty's exposure, Jordan Poole, 30%. So you have to know that this is a late swap situation. It's very unlikely. Look, a hub bro, 20% pool, 30% pool, 22% pool. All these three players, a hub bro, Petty Theft, and Dark Manaluk, have a whole bunch of way more pool than you would expect to have. If you would just went by projections before the Draymond and Glenn Robinson news, there's no way that you get here. I mean, there's, there's, there's like no way to get you this much. If you're just trying to have random exposure, you know, you set up range of outcomes to like 30%. Before that news, maybe you get 3%. Maybe. I mean, like, it, it's not, it's maybe you get 3 or 4%. So I'm going to have to assume that this exposure came from late swapping when that news came out a little bit before the 9 p.m. Eastern games. But then you take a look and you go, well, Dexter Dexter at zero. Brandon Adams had virtually nothing, right? Virtually nothing. Does that mean they didn't late swap? It's possible. Let's take a look at the other Golden State Warriors exposures. So we got Cauley Stein here, but we knew he was starting, so that's not anything. Let's take a look at Burks. Brandon Adams, Burks, 5%. 10% for Dexter Dexter. So not really much of a position, but guys like Dark Manaluk and Ahubro, 35 and 32%. News came out, jam him in. Who else? Pascal. So let me take a look at Pascal right here. A hub bro, 35%. There's no way you get 35% before the news. There's no way. But then you see Petty, 1%. Nothing. But then you see Dexter Dexter, 29. Dark Manalek, 37. So you can see who late swapped. It looks like uh, Petty Theft couldn't get as much couldn't really get to Pascal because he had locked players. Aldridge at 42%, Hayward, Tatum, Jeremy Grant, Wiggins at 20%, Brown at 20%, right? Monty Morris, well, that's a guard spot. He had Marquise Chris, he had Shabazz Napier locked, Jeremy Lamb at 11%. So you needed a small forward, power forward slot or a forward or utility slot to get Pascal. He didn't have it. He had more of the guard spots available. So that's why he was able to get Jordan Poole more than Eric Pascal. Then we take a look at Brandon Adams. Brandon Adams, look at this. 100% Enos Cantor. Ahabro won first and second place, both with Enos Cantor lineups, and he only had him at 4%. Cantor was only 5% owned in this contest. Brandon Adams lock-buttoned Edis Cantor and came nowhere close. Okay? Brandon is a, ve- is a very contrarian player. Studying Brandon is... is don't study him for plays. For, like, what players does he like? It's, 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 it's nearly completely game theory. I mean, everyone does to some extent, but, Brand, but the fact is, is that everyone's paying up for Whiteside. Everyone's playing, like, like no one's, everyone's playing Tatum, Hayward, Brown, but no one's playing Cantor. No one's paying down at center. So screw it. He just played 100% in 150 lineups, 100% Cantor. That's his, I mean, all you have to do is lock that in, and there's your leverage. You're, you're on a five-game slate, a 5% on center, like you could still play white side. So he still played 82% white side. So most of his lineups were Cantor white side lineups, but he also had 81% Simons. Only gave him 26, which was fine, but not enough to win a GPP. Still a plenty of Trent, but he also had 80% Tatum. So he had Tatum, he had Cantor, 
So Tatum was in the first game. So if you're locking in a Tatum at 80%, like you, your, your swapping options are going to be limited. You already have Cantor and Tatum in your lineup, right? He has Donovan Mitchell, 30%. He had Anthony Davis, even on a minutes limit, 26%. Will Barton, 20%. Like he had too many locked players that I think switching out, like, how, how does he get to how does he how does he get to them? Like how did how does he get? I mean, he had Russell in. He had uh, he now he had to switch out of Russell. So you see here, it's 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 not like he wasn't successful on the day, but I could see his strategy. That's what you're looking for in results DB. What are these players' strategies for the slate? Not whether or not they worked out. Not oh, he saw he's he thought Cantor was going to do well. How did he know Cantor was going to do well? Because he did. He scored, what, 34 points uh, for 4,000? Cantor was great. I mean, he was in the winning lineup. You needed him for that construction. He just saw nothing in Cantor. He just saw an opportunity for massive leverage and just went for it, right? That's it. That's all he did. Massive leverage, went for it. But a hub road did the same thing. Let's go under on Simons and Trent. I mean, he still had plenty of Gordon Hayward, still had plenty of Tatum, plenty of Jalen Brown, probably more Jalen Brown than anyone else because Jalen was actually the lowest owned out of the three Celtics that were more chalky. Hayward was 26, Tatum was 22, Brown was 20, right? Didn't, didn't with Oubre back, didn't play any Saric, right? I mean, Saric started, but now with another body in the rotation and usage or whatever, you know, I didn't play any Sarge yesterday. Did still play 2% LeBron, right? Still played some Joe Ingles, some Devin, hey, Devin Booker, 6%. Look, look at the guys. Booker put up 52 points. Burks put up 60 points. I mean, a hub bro ended up with a lineup with Booker at 6% and, and a 4% exposed canter. He got the one lineup, com- he got the lineup combination. And you saw he had a couple of them. So it was like first, second, sixth. He had a very big night. But for the most part, I mean, he's spread out to some extent. If I just go by exposures, I mean, his player pool is fairly large. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, we could scroll it up. I mean, it's, it's, this is a 30-plus pool for, for a five-game slate. But basically, if Lillard and Whiteside, if they bomb, his night is done. I mean, it's just it's not going to be able to win anything. Now, obviously, they put up ceiling games, so that was great. Fifty-four percent Jeremy Grant. That would have if Grant put up a fifteen-point game, that would have killed half his lineups. As opposed to let's take a look at Dark Manaluk, who is a little bit more gives himself a little bit more leeway, exposes himself uh, across the board a little bit more. Uh, this is more of my style, personally. Dark Manaluk, it's very rare that I'm playing like this heavy of certain players, especially at the, those prices, right? I'm more likely to have like like a lock, a 90% own, like cheaper guy. Like I was more likely yesterday's slate to do this type of thing with Jeremy Grant and just go for it. Do that type of thing with uh, Anthony Simons and just screw it, go for it. Then the higher price guys, but you can, but. That's why that's why you could play differently and still win in multiple ways. But the, the the point that I'm that I'm trying to really harp on is devising a strategy. You know, you just go in projections and go, who do you think is going to do well? Like, you need to build good lineups for these large field GPPs. So you have to devise a strategy. Brandon Adams, really contrarian strategy. Dark Manaluk, building good lineups, but spread out. Spread out his exposures. Petty. Lock buttons, big positions. No Gary Trent, right? I'm going to take big positions. 30% Jordan Poole. Screw it, right? A hub bro, kind of a mix in between. But you have to decide what the positions you're going to take. So it's not a matter of Petty not thinking Gary Trent isn't going to do well. It's just that he's 38% owned and he's a low usage player. So do you want to play a chalky low usage player? That's a good place to get different, to not build a construction with them, right? And then obviously late swap. 
he wasn't able. I don't think Petty was able to. He didn't have spots open to get more Pascal. It hurt him. It hurt him. The, the lack of optionality hurt him. Unless he purposely decided to not have him. But I would doubt that. Based on his Burks and his Pascal exposure, I'm just I'm just assuming that he wasn't able to jam him in. I mean, he had pool. So I have to assume that this is a late swap situation, right? I mean, he had 30% pool. I don't see playing 30% pool before the news. So the lack of Pascal needed to come down to just not having small forward power forward spots. People are talking about NHL in the chat. I don't play NHL DFS, so I have no idea. So if you're in the chat, free chat on the Discord, feel free to ask strategy questions all you want. Uh, We're going to talk about right now, quickly, showdown slate. Typically, we don't do this. Uh, the, the showdown, typically that's Big T and Chop doing the job. Maybe they're, are they doing it? Uh, maybe they're doing it. Maybe they're not. I don't know. Showdown. They are doing Oh, okay. They're, they, oh, we're doing one later in the day. It's being recorded, I think. Okay. Devin's telling me in my ear that, okay, so Big T and Chop will be on. So you're going to get my, you're going to get their approach to playing showdown and my approach. Uh, it's it's a pr- only for premium. Okay. So you're not getting it. If you're, if you're, if you're a cheap ass, you ain't getting it. Okay, there you go. I got told that. So you got to sign up for premium. Rotogrinders.com slash premium. Right? It's 40 bucks a month. Come on. You get lineup HQ. Look, I'm going to show you some stuff that you can do in lineup HQ. You get it for, come on, 40 bucks a month. What's what, If you're playing more than that, if you're playing that per slate, I mean, it pays for itself. And it can pay for itself in the course of one slate. So why aren't you doing it? Now, the way that I play showdown is completely different. I can play showdown contest without knowing anything about the game, about the, the, the basketball, the game, the basketball game, right? Okay. I'm ratcheting this up to, to 300. Okay. I'm removing, I'm going all the way down to uh 47, five. Let's put it at 47, five. And I'm just running it. Okay. I'm just going to run this. I'm just, I'm, I just want to see uh, based on our projections, our current projections, which you could get with premium. I'm going to, Reload it. Okay. So I'm just looking at utility now. I just want to get a sense of based on the projections, what the line of construction is going to look like. Okay. It always tells me that, and then I put in the two zeros, and then I can run it. This is just to get a sense. I'm not playing these 300 lineups, right? I can't play 300 lineups. My wife doesn't have an account yet. My wife, right? Have they have they said anything about that? We got no news on that box bachelor couple yet. What's going on with that? So the goal is the goal is showdown. If you're playing the large field, that is a ten dollar or fifteen dollar large field, hundred k to first. The whole goal is solo first. That's it. If you ain't playing for solo first, or at least like a smaller chop of first. It's negative EV. You're going to lose more money over time than anything else. If you're playing a lineup that's duplicated 20 times, 30, 50, 80, 110 times, you might as well not play that contest. Play, play cash games. Play, play a smaller field. high state, Play a 2,000-man contest or something. Okay? So the goal, if, if you, you want unique lineups, and it's very hard to get unique lineups in NBA, especially in large fields. So it's, 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 it's very hard to get even one unique line. I mean, it's hard. So you need to find ways to get, you need to find ways to get unique lines as unique as possible. Sharing a hundred K with three players is better than sharing it with 72. Yes, it's great on that day, but it's not sustainable. It's negative expected value. The most you can win once, once, once luck hits. And you look, and your lineup is duplicated seventy times. You know what the most you could possibly, if that is the best lineup, the most you could win is eleven hundred dollars. So you, you you're getting a hundred to one on your money when you really you're, you're playing for a hundred thousand. So build unique lineups. Looking at this, I'm going to see like who the the most uh, captain exposure. I'm getting mostly Luca in captain. And I mean, this seems obvious. Luca and Kawhi. 
They're getting some Shemet captain, Harold captain, Porzingis, who's expected to play, right? Hardaway, we got some Beverly and Zubai. We got some of this, right? Top optimal lineup right now, based on our current projections, they will change, is some type of Luca Porzingis. Basically, you're playing Kawhi and Shamet, and then Brunson, Hardaway, Porzingis, Luca, and Kat, like that type of lineup. It spends 50000 as a percentage owned of 312, which based on this lineup construction, like you would never play this. Like once you see this, you go, well, that's a lineup that you throw out. Okay. That's what you do. So you look at this and you go, Shamet's going to get ownership. You take a look at this lot. You take a look at, you know, how owned these lineups are. So now I want to do, this is going by fantasy points. Now I want to go by percent owned based on our current Projected ownership. Current. It's only it's eleven thirty in the morning. The, the the game is nine hours from now. This, any things change. We don't know. Harkless may not play. I mean, we don't know. Maybe Porzingos. Porzingos. Maybe Porzingis gets scratched again. So I'm going to go total uh, ownership high to low. So we start seeing numbers in like the three twenties, three twenty, three twenty. What now? What's the lowest ownership? Two fifties. So we're seeing like Luca, J. Michael, Shemet, Harold, Powell, Porzingis. Doesn't it look all that correlative? I mean, it seems like we're playing guys that would be playing for for each other. But now lesser own. We get a ten percent owned guy in there. We get a ten with the twenty five. No Kawhi, right? No Kawhi, no Lou Williams, and Montrose Harold in here. Okay. See, it's like Bazinga in chat. Uh, if Kawhi and Luca are going to be 90% of the field and captain to get different, just play Lou, Harold, Pat Bev, and who else do you think also in a 20 max, how many captains is optimal? You can play as many as you want. It depends on how much risk you want to take. Look at what we showed before. People are like, I'm just lock buttoning stuff in. Like, but some are like, no, I'm going to I'm going to take a less risky approach and play spread out exposure. So that's all you're asking. There's no correct way. If you want to lock button Luca and Captain and play 150 lineups, that's perfectly fine. Just understand that if Luca doesn't have is if Luca's not the winning captain, you lose. That's it. How much risk do you want to put into one decision? That's essentially one you, what one what what you want to do. Maybe you want to lock button Kawhi into all your lineups. Maybe you want to lock button Landry Shermet into all of your lineups. And if he if he's the winning captain, you have tons of combinations to win. You could do it. So just a matter of how much risk that you want to take. You have 20 lineups. You could have four captains, five lineups each. You could. You could also have a captain in each one of your 20. I mean, it's really how much diversified you want to be. So I'm just taking a look at like what the ownership levels would be for lineups that spend, you know, fourth at least 49,000 is what what's the lowest salary now? What's the lowest salary lineup that like gives me okay forty seven six? See now I'm now we're getting into the lineups that I'm looking to play, right? A forty seven six lineup: Luca, Brunson, Curry, Shamet, Porzingis, Leonard. Ah, this ain't horrible, right? Here's Luca and the captain and five Clippers: Magruder, Shamet, Zubac, Harold, Leonard. A lot of people may not play Harold and Zubac together. Magruder is really going to depend on whether or not Harkless plays. Do we have? Do we currently have Harkless in? Yeah, we currently have Harkless in, but we still we're still projecting Magruder for sixteen minutes. Okay, like fourteen minutes. Jerome Robinson. See, here's the problem. What's going to happen? Let me show you. This is what people do when they play showdown. Okay, let's say we. I'm going to exclude all. I'm going to show you what not to do or what I, I tend not to do. I did it, I'm not saying that you can't do it, but it's something that I wouldn't do. I'm going to include only Luca and Kawhi at captain. Okay. They're going to be the two most popular captains. Then I'm going to add everyone back. I mean, it doesn't matter that I add, just add everyone back. Okay. So in the captain spot, Luca, I'm going to put 50, Kawhi at 50. Okay? 
So he's like, oh, I just want these, these, these people in. But obviously, they're the most expensive. It's going to cost you 10, 19, 8, and 17, 1. Let's build lineups. Like the, the, these are lineups that I'm expecting to see. Okay. So let's roll this back to 47,000. Number of unique players, one. Remember, this is lineup HQ. You get this for premium. Rotogrinders.com slash premium. You get the projections you get. I mean, you get you get all the premium stuff you could possibly want. It's the stuff that I use. So I'm showing you my process that I use. So it's not me just like, oh, I work for Rotogrinders. I'm going to show you, you know, some a tool, and then I use something else myself personally. No, this is exactly what I do. Okay, so now I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna build 300 lineups here. Isn't this a, a Boban revenge game? I, is he going to get any minute? Does he need to play? Like I said, I don't predict outcomes, especially on showdown slates. This is to me, this is all math problem. If you were to tell me that I could get 150 unique lineups into the ten dollar thing, like it would be the only one of its kind, and it spends at least forty five thousand, like you don't even have to tell me what the game is. I, I'll just play it. So I'm going to build three hundred lineups with Luca and Kawhi at the captain, just to build. Just to see. I'm just seeing. Okay? So let's take a look at this now. Okay, we got two captains. We got a lot of Shemet, a lot of Brunt, because you're going to have to play cheap guys, right? So let's look fantasy points high to low. Here we go. That that lineup, the Luca, Brunson, Shemet, Hardaway, Porzingis, Kawhi lineup, right? We got Luca. Brunt. I mean, people have, you're going to have to play a cheap guy, some 1,200 guy, right? You, pro- you probably can't play Kawhi. You can't probably. You can play Kawhi and Harold together. Like taking a look at this lineup. Like this could be this could be a lineup that's duplicated. Right? Here's a lineup here. Doncic, Brunson, Shemet, Beverly, Harold, Leonard. This seems like a lineup that, that that would be duplicated. Possibly. Take a look at this. I'm just taking a look at lineup. Draw, okay. Now we're getting down to maybe something that won't be. But I mean, it doesn't give you, I mean, Porzingis is in there. I'm just kind of looking at the constructions that are more likely to be duplicated. Not, I don't know what's going to happen in the game. That This exercise has nothing to do with that. Dorian Finney-Smith is in here. Take a look at this. And let, let, where where the Kawhi line? Let, let's, I can click on this, and I can just get the Kawhi lineups. So look, yeah, I mean, look at this. Kawhi and the captain with Shemet, because he's going to get minutes at least for 3,000. Then you get all the Mavs guys. Luca, Porzingis, Hardaway, Brunson. Here's another one. I mean, if you want to not have a Brunson lineup, here, here you go. Kawhi with Magruder and Shemet in captain. Hardaway, Porzingis. Like I, like this type of lineup right here, I would think is duplicated too often. Like I wouldn't want to play this. Does this lineup make sense? Yes, it does make sense. It does make sense. But the EV, the expected value of this lineup, may be negative, even if it's more likely to win. See, that's the kind of the concepts that you need to get into your head when you play DFS. Of you're not play, you're, the goal isn't to predict what's going to happen most likely. It's to just make the most amount of money. So picture this type of lineup. Let's say I offered you on a coin flip or like on a do, roll of the die. A three to one, three to one bet. You pick the roll of a die. It's three to one. Then I offered you uh, to pick uh, a thousand numbers. You know, there's a th- there's a a thousand balls in a pen, right? One to a thousand. You need to tell me. You have to pick a number that I'm going to draw out. Five seventy one or something. Eighty four. So it's what? There's a thousand balls. I'm going to give you uh, on your bet. Uh, 10,000 to one on your money. Okay? So just understand the difference. Roll of a die. There's only six choices. Okay? You're going to guess that number more often, but I'm only paying you three to one. So it happens more often, but if you keep on doing that, you're going to lose money because you should be being paid at least six to one on your money, on a payout. You give a dollar, you should get $6 at least. If it was more than $6, it would be plus EV. But now that I'm only giving you three times your money, like you would never make that bet. 
The other thing, when you have to pick one out of a thousand, you're going to get wrong 999 times, but I'm paying you 10,000 to one. So the, the expected value of that, you get paid so much more. That's what I'm talking about when it comes to these types of lines. Yes, these types of lines may be more probable to win, but if you played this slate out a thousand times and played this lineup, it's duplicated. It will be duplicated enough that when you win, it won't even cover the amount of times that that lineup doesn't win. You need to have lineups that come in solo first, two duplicates at first, three, something's in that range, not 118-way tie. So that's why I always preach in the Discord when people ask me for showdown advice, is that your number one goal is to make unique lineups. Even if they have low shots of winning, you just play a bunch, and that's the way that you win a lot of money. You play an eleven hundred dollar multi way two hundred thirty person tie, which wouldn't even be a eleven hundred dollars. It'd be like seven hundred dollars. Like that's what you were playing for. You spent the same amount of money as I. I'm making unique lineups. You made a lineup that did win, and you got paid seventy to one on your money. My lineup has the potential of getting paid. 10,000 to one on my money. So that's what I'm doing when I'm going through lineup HQ. What are the unique constructions? What are the chalk constructions? Most of this is in Captain Luke. Like I'm looking for, are there unique constructions, possible more unique constructions that do have Luca or Kawhi at captain? Right? I'm looking through that. I'm looking through and say, what's the ownership? Fantasy points high to low? Let me go total. Ownership low to high. So looking at this, Kawhi captain with Seth Curry, Kleber, and Doncic, Beverly and Schmidt. I'm looking at this lineup going, hmm, it leaves 100 on the table. It's at 262 total. This lineup isn't, this lineup is not bad. I have to gauge on how owned this is going to be. <coughs> Are people going to play Curry and Kleber together off the second unit? I mean, Beverly's fine. Shumet's going to be fairly chalky for his price. Kawhi captain. So, like, this makes sense. Like, I'm more inclined to play this type of lineup. I'm more inclined to look down and look at, like, the salaries and go, is there, okay, here's a 49-1. Kawhi captain with J. Michael Green, who's maybe a little overpriced now, if Arkless is back, with Brunson, Curry, Porzingis, and Dot. Like, okay. I could see playing this. Here's another one. Kawhi. With, like, if I'm going to play Kawhi or Luka in my captain, I need unique. I need uniqueness. They're going to be the most, they're going to be the most owned captains. And people are going to be sharing a lot of players because you're going to need some cheapies in there. Yet, if I go, let's say I go in, back into the player pool and I X them out of my captains. Okay. I X them out completely. Let's say I just say, I'm not going to play them in captain at all. And let's say I put in all everyone else. Literally, I'm just going to put in everyone else. Based on our projections, without Kawhi or Luka in at all, now let's see what comes up. Let's see what who the most of the captain ownership goes to. I want to see more contrarian lineups. If Porzingis, if uh, if Luca and Kawhi end up with like seventy plus percent combined captain ownership, like yes, it's the most likely scenario that they're the top score and that's the that's the winning lineup and maybe duplicated a ton. <clears throat> I'd rather play as many of the other lineups, the Lou Williams captain, the Harold captain, the Hardaway captain. Because those lineups can still have Luka and Kawhi in it. You could still get different. So here we go. So let's take a look at the top cap. Because we take a look. Look, I ran 300 lineups with our projections. With Luka and Kawhi not at captain, but still, look. Luka appears in 100% of lineups, and Kawhi appears in 96% of lineups. You're playing these guys. So now if we take a look at captain ownership, now we see... Porzingis, Shemet, Harrell, Hardaway, Zubach, 
You don't see much Harkless. I mean, DeLon Wright is four lineups. They're in there. But Landry Shamet is one of those types of guys that it's like he's not going to be the top. He's likely not to be the top scorer. But we have some bunch of poor Zingas lines. We have to get it like, is he going to play 30 minutes? According to our projections, we're projected to be 30. But, I mean, we may get more clarification later in the day. That's why projections change throughout the day. Get premium. Rotogrinders.com slash premium. So I take a look at them at multiple points throughout the day. Ownership, everything. News changes, we don't know. So I take a look. And let, let me take a look at some of these uh, Landry Shamet lines. So they have Shamet a captain with Kawhi. Then Maxi, Finney Smith, Porzing. Like, no one's playing this lineup. I mean, typically you wouldn't play DFS and Kleber together with Porzingis back. This, like, here's a, here's an example of, here's a lineup that you would look at and go, this makes no sense, right? You'd go, Shemetted captain? Kleber and DFS together? Is this lineup going to be unique? Possibly. It only spends 49-1 contains like what I would consider a negative correlation and has a cheap captain. Is the probability of this being the wooded glide up low? Yes, it's very low. But I'll take a very low probability of winning if it's unique rather than play a lineup that is going to be shared by 370 people. So if, even if you're in that, this is not like if you're playing 150 lineups, if you're playing one lineup, if you're going to play dollar in a dream, Play for the dream. That's where all the equity is. These top-heavy GPPs, they're all in those top places. And especially on showdowns where we get ties, like a sixth-place fit, like the sixth-highest score may be 281st place. So, you like, it's not even the goal to, like, have, like, the second-best score. You see that, like, top the top score is 281.75, and the next best score is 281.6 or whatever, whatever it is, like a quarter of a point lower. But that high score is shared by 18 people. You're alone, unique in 19th place with like, here's 80 bucks. You have the second highest score. But if you pass those 18 people, if, the, if that quarter of a point was just a half a point more, You'd have $100,000, and those 18 people would have to split like 40000 combined and end up with like $2,000 a piece. So just understand that. All the equities at the top, you, you want as much of it as possible. So I'm much more likely, even by playing one lineup, two lineups, five lineups, to try to find lineups that maximize my ability to get solo, at least first place sharing as little as possible. This is how I've won. I've won multiple showdowns before. And typically, my, all, and all of my showdown wins have been seven or less entries, seven or less ties at the top. So they've been substantial wins. No solos, but, I mean, it's been like a seven, a four, and a six or something. Because I'm building lineups. I'm trying to find the, the, I'm trying to find unique lineups as unique as I possibly can get. And sometimes I think it's unique and it ends up being shared 42 times. And that means I screwed up. That's how I'm judging myself by how many unique lineups I can make. QQ, would you set a rule today to play at least one of the under 25%? Not necessarily. You can play higher on players and just don't play. Like, let's say you don't play Kawhi or Luka in a lineup. You could still, you, you know, you could play all the other chalky players. Like, I mean, you're not going to spend all your salary, though. So, like, if you're playing a lineup that only spends 47000 and the and you don't have a guy under 25% owned, that still could be unique. The fact that you don't have Kawhi or Luka in your lineup. Like, you have to expect that their ownership is going to be insane. Combined, they're going to be insane, and individually, they're going to be insane. So, if you play a lineup that has neither of them in it, then who cares about the rest? I think you're plenty unique in that fact. So I don't think you need to set rules like that. That's why I don't necessarily suggest always using like max total lineup ownership because there may be some lineups, like we take a look here, there may be some lineups that,
that have higher on plate like this lineup has 90% on Luca, right? Kawhi is 80% projected owned. Let's say you don't play either of them. That that takes 170 total away from your exposure sum. Like play anyone you want at that point. I mean, that, that, who, you don't need a number anymore. If you're going to fit, let's say you make a group where you're only playing one of them. You, you don't mind them at captain, let's say. You don't mind them at captain, but you're going to set up a group and you could do that here. So maybe you set up a group where Luca and Kawhi captain. I need to add them back in the pool. Hold on. Showing you a little, I'm showing off a little bit of lineup HQ features. So let's say if Kawhi's the captain, I don't want Luca in my lineup. If Luca is the captain, Luca is the captain, I don't want Kawhi in my lineup. Right? Luca and, and Kawhi could be non-captains in the same lineup because then the captain is going to be some contrarian player. Right? So I'm setting up my groups. Maybe I do this. So if one of them is the captain, the other guy can't appear in the lineup because look at how high this ownership is. That combination is going to be very chalky. And just from the fact that they're expensive players means that the rest of your lineup is also going to be very similar to other people that play lineups that are like this. So it's going to be much harder to be unique. QQ, a rule of play only two of Shemet, Luka, Kawhi to get. You could do that. But I still think you get a little bit more granular. Like, I would much rather do this. Get a little bit more. Like, and I don't have to worry. Like, once I separate the, the high-owned captains with the high-owned utility player, like, I'm I'm splitting all there's going to be ton of overlap there. So once I split that overlap, there's less there's less lineups to compete with. But maybe you do add a, add a rule of playing Shemet. Some you do something like that. You could think think logically. But how do you get leverage? I'm looking for the biggest leverage spots. How do I get leverage by doing something like this? And then seeing what happens, building lineups and seeing. Like you don't have to like do all of this and then press and go. Okay, give me my lineups. I'm 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 generating. I'm not even playing 300 lineups tonight. I'm probably going to play like 40, maybe, maybe not, maybe 20. But I'm using 300 because it's the max setting on, on this on the, on the lineup HQ, just so I can just see the exposure, see what happens based on our projections, what gets jammed in, if I do that, and then take a look at some of the lineups, sort them by stuff, and and see. Are these going to be unique or are they not going to be unique? These are the types of lineups that be unique. And then I see types of stuff where it's like, maybe I don't want Kleber and Finney Smith together. I go, yeah, this is contrarian, but maybe, maybe, maybe I, I don't need to be as much since I'm s- separating people. Right. So maybe I set another rule for that. Does the Jeets get in unanimous today? I don't even know what that means. People are asking questions. I don't even know what they mean. I guess that means time to wrap up when I can't even understand what's going on in the free chat, in the Roto-Grinders Discord. But uh, if you're a premium member, you can participate in the, in the Roto-Grinders Discord in the uh, NBA channel. I know we have the free chat in, in Discord during shows, so uh, definitely use that. Uh, hopefully, we'll be on YouTube. Well, hopefully, we'll be on YouTube back again soon. Uh, the, the, once, what are the ding? What, what, are we doing anything? Did I say anything? We're on Vimeo now. Well, I'll be in bed on the on the website, so I, I don't think cheap ass. I don't think I'm getting get in trouble for that. Or I don't know. We're we're not a kids channel on YouTube, so I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why things happen, but hopefully we'll be back there. And uh, and we got the one game slate tonight, where my prediction is a game stack wins. Okay, so there you go. I'm guaranteed. If if I had an expert survey question today, my hot take would be on today's NBA slate a game stack. We'll take it down. Okay. So, uh, so I think uh, Tuttle, Tuttle's on tomorrow. I don't know what he's going to review. I guess he's going to review the showdown slate. I, I think we have a big NBA slate tomorrow now. I hope so. We only have one game today. It better be a lot of games tomorrow. So hopefully you have a good time with Tuttle tomorrow. And then, uh, then I'll be back on Thursday. And that has been the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.